to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to give you a message that the Lord gave me this week. I know that I know that I know that I know that this is the word for today. Preach it to your brothers and sisters in the first service. I want to preach it to you. And I know that have the assurance and the confidence that somebody needs this word. It's going to be life-changing. I want to go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, just two verses. It's a message I've entitled, Problems, Prayer, and Peace. And you'll understand this. Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to the word? You can be seated. In doing research for this message today, I came across a survey that was very revealing. It was a 2018 survey that showed that Americans' anxiety levels increased dramatically with almost 40% of respondents, 40% saying they felt more anxious in 2018 than they did a year ago. Americans reported feeling more anxious about finances, politics, and relationships. But the top two categories or the two things that caused the most worry for people in America were their health and keeping themselves or their families safe. It was interesting that the survey showed that increases in anxiety are common to both men and women and were seen across Uh, people of different races and ethnicity and even ages. I tell you all that because the Apostle Paul, writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit, knew that we Christians, too, are not immune to anxiety. It's, It's not something that should be strange to us. We may be not of this world, but we are, uh, We still live in this world, which means we have to deal with the problems of this world. We have to deal with the stress of this world. We have to deal with the difficult people that are part of this world. Uh, There's a passage of scripture, John 16, 33. It contains a promise of Jesus. It's not a shouting promise. Most of the promises, I shout about it, but you're not going to shout on this one. Here's how it goes. In the world, Jesus said this, in the world, you will have tribulation. Nobody's running the aisles on that one. And and to give you a a broader understanding of what Jesus was saying in the original language, he's saying in this world you will have pressure. In this world you will have oppression. In this world you will experience stress and anguish. You will have adversity and affliction. There will be moments when you feel like you're being crushed. There will be times in your life when you feel like the circumstance that you're in is squeezing all of the joy and the faith from your soul. So I want to stand here today and say to you, don't be surprised if you are tempted to worry about something or to despair. Don't be surprised if you're tempted to become preoccupied with something causing you stress because being saved does not make you immune to life's challenges. Okay, but let me say this. Even though you're tempted, don't give in to the temptation. And even though the stress begins, don't let it continue. Paul makes it clear that God does not want his children to be anxious about anything. 
He wants you to overcome anxiety rather than be overcome by anxiety. I'm going to come back to uh, Philippians chapter 4, but I want to go to Matthew chapter 6. And I read this in preparation for today. There's verses 25 through 33 that I want to talk about. I'm not going to read it. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read the first verse. Therefore I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. It's a Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry. It's the same Greek word that Paul uses when he says, don't be anxious. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. All right, now that's pretty clear language right there, that Jesus doesn't want you living in an anxious state. All right, so we got the command. We know we're not supposed to do it, but let's be real. When you're stressed out and you have anxiety or you have a problem in your life, it's, it's not always that easy, is it? But I'm going to show you, Jesus then went on to give us the reasons why we can overcome anxiety. They're going to have this on the screen. He said, number one, your father will take care of you because you are incredibly valuable and special to him. Isn't that wonderful? You are his child. Second, your worrying is useless because it cannot change your circumstances. All right, if you're 5'6 and you want to be 5'7, Jesus said worrying about it is not going to make you any taller. And that's what it says. You read it. And, and so worry does not positively affect your situation. It only negatively affects you. Third, he said your father knows what is causing you stress and knows what you need to eliminate the problem. How many of you are glad, how many of you are glad that when you are put in a crisis or something's causing you anxiety, stress, that it didn't catch God off guard. It's not like you say, Lord, I got this problem. The Lord says, yeah, you're right. I didn't see that one coming. You're in trouble. Not quite sure what we're going to do about that one. It may take me a couple weeks to figure this one out. That's not how it works, right? God knew it was coming. God knows what it is. And God has the answer to your situation. He already knows what to do to help the anxiety problem go away. Finally, the last thing he says, it's Matthew 6, 33. Uh, it's Leah's favorite verse, by the way. It, uh, he said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he promises to supply the very things you need that you are anxious about. So I want to help you this morning. If you're in a crisis, you're in a difficult situation, you're in something that's stressing you out, if you will go after God and go after the things of God, God said, I will turn around and supply for you whatever it is you need that is causing you stress, whether that is fundamental needs, finances, relational help, health problems. God said, I've got it. Just put me first. Now, let's be real. How many of us... Uh, get ourselves stressed out because we get ourselves in debt beyond our means or we start dating somebody that we have no business dating or we make a business relationship with somebody that we know is, has a bad reputation. We make bad decisions that sometimes create our own stress. Oh, you're going to sit in your hands on me now, aren't you? Okay, but, but, but that's the truth. We all do it, okay? But here's what you've got to understand. And it's amazing. People who are children of God just will not get this. If you will put God first and let God be Lord of your life and do what's right and obey him, even though you may feel like, well, other people are doing other things and they're getting ahead, 
Yeah, but what they're doing is wrong, and it's, eventually it's going to catch up with them, okay? But if you'll do things God's way, God promises I will bless you. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to orchestrate it. You don't have to try to cause it to happen. I will do it for you. And when he does that, then the stress goes away, okay? You know, of course, if we make our own stress, we always end up playing, praying, God bless my mess. So, so you can get out. Now, I'm going to go back to Philippians. And Paul tells us that there is an antidote to dealing with stress and anxiety. And I came up with this catchy little phrase, and I'm very proud of this. And, and see if you can get this. Ready? The antidote to overwhelming care is passionate prayer. That's good, isn't it? At least you'll remember it. The antidote to overwhelming care in this life is what? Passionate prayer. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. But let me give you the alternative. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When I was a kid growing up, when Dad pastored in Man's Choice, Pennsylvania, we would sing out the hymnal. It wasn't cool that Billy gave us a brand new modern day hymn today. Boy, it sounded like a hymn, didn't it? But there are old hymns, and there was an old hymn called Take It to the Lord in Prayer. Do you all remember that? As a matter of fact, we got some special guests here today. Dave and Linda Shetler here. Dave and Linda are here with Mom and Dad. They, they, they drove the furthest. They came all the way from Shellsburg, Pennsylvania to be in church this morning. Isn't that something? Give them a hand. They're, they're like my mom and dad, part two, 2.0. And they'll be driving down every weekend to come be with us. From this point on, it's just great to hear, Dave, that you're going to do that. We'll give you a little gas money. And, uh, but, but Dave and Linda are, are some of my, I guess my mom and dad's best friends in the world, and, and their sons are actually some of my best friends, and, and their, their son Alan was here not too many months ago, came down visiting. But, but Dave and Linda, mom and dad would tell you, when dad was pastoring man's choice, we would sing out these hymnals, and we would sing this old hymn, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. How many have ever heard that one? There are many problems that will come to you. Put your trust in Jesus, he will see you through. Never will you find a friend so kind and true. See, some of you know it. All the young folks are going, I've never heard that one. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Isn't it, cool? it had a little, you just feel like skipping when he sang it. There are many problems that will Whoever wrote the melody was, melody was just, there are many problems that will But anyway, that song gets in your head, right? And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mess with you. Take, take, everybody go, take it to the Lord. See, now, that's going to get in your head like New York, New York. Did you ever try to sing that? Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. And then you don't know the rest of it. Da, 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 da. In all New York. Right? You're going to do that all week and curse me. Take it to the Lord in prayer. What was one of the words? Google it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Paul says is, is the answer. Can I ask you all a question? Do not answer out loud. And some people still did it in the first service. They could not hear. <laughs> all right. If you are stressed out right now, I'm not, I'm not asking this to stress you out. But if you are stressed out right now about something, have you prayed about it? Okay. We'll take that. Have you prayed about it? 
Now we're laughing, and that's good because humor is good and it helps us. But now, now we're getting where the rubber meets the road, where we live, right? Have you pray- now? You say, "Well, Pastor, come on, we're all Christians. Don't we pray about it?" No, you don't. No, you don't. Because I know where y'all live. I do. I know how y'all do. Something hits you, stress comes up, and and you don't pray about it. You start talking to yourself first. Oh God, where'd this come from? Oh God, what did I do? God, did I do something wrong? You know, what have I done? What caused this? Why is it you try to find the why? But you don't find a why, so now you got to deal with the what. So now you got to solve the what. So you start calling people who might have answers and might help you out. You call the attorney. You call the counselor. You call the principal at school because your kids are beating up on everybody and it's turned into a bully. You, you call whatever. You just, you're calling. Then you get on Facebook. You're talking to everybody because you think everybody's your friend. And you're just typing everybody in. T- and you're talking to everybody else. And God, meanwhile, is in heaven going, When's my turn? Sit on your hands. I don't care. Go ahead. Sit on them. I don't care. Sit there and be quiet. But that's what we do. Shame on us. We need to do better. When something happens, what do you need to do? Take it. Come on, go, everybody. Yes. Get alone with God and say, help. That's what Paul's saying. The, and by the way, the answer to stress and anxiety is not just take it to the Lord in prayer, but it gets deeper. The answer to stress and anxiety is to get into the presence of God. Now, this is my job. That's why God called people like me. You can't see this in the original language. But Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And it literally says, be made known in God's presence. That's what's there. Get into his presence. When I was younger, I remember my 20s, there was this song that came out. Man, it was like, boom, it was a hit. It was called In the Presence of Jehovah. Anybody remember that one? In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace. Now, what's the next line? Troubles vanish. Hearts are mended. In the presence of the king. Y'all, there's something about getting in the presence of God. And by the way, God does not want you rushing into his presence saying, help, I need this. God would prefer, and that's why Paul's telling us under the, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, to come in before you say help, say hello. And you worship him. And you praise him. And that's what he's saying here. But, but what does it mean? Let me just say this. Pastor, what does it mean to get in his presence? I'm going to tell you what it means. Get in your prayer closet and get along with God. Turn on Christian music while you're driving down the road. Get along with God. Come to church and bathe in his presence like we did this morning. Come to the altar. Get in his presence. And then Paul says, pray. And he says three specific things that we have to look at this morning. He said with prayer, supplication, and Thanksgiving. Let's talk about those because you must. That word prayer is not the normal word for prayer like talk to God. It has a connotation in the original Greek language of adoration and praise. So when you come, Paul says, in your prayer, start with adoration and praise. 
don't just come barging in. I, I know that for me, my kids are grown now, but I never did like when the boys would come in and just demand like come walking in the door and I haven't even seen them and, 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 and they'll come demanding and I'll say, hi, how are you? Fine, you doing good? Had a good day? In other words, I'm making a point is I've, I've just seen you. It's the same way with God. Don't come rushing in because God will say, fine, how are you? Good to see you. You want to come in with praise and adoration. So you, before you, I know you're stressed and you want to get this thing to God quick, but just stop long enough to praise him. And love on him. Our Father who art in heaven, you start with praise and worshiping the holiness of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. See, that's talking about when you came into the temple, which is a symbol of coming into the, you, you move from out there, but eventually you want to get into the holy of holies where the presence is. But you got to start in the parking lot. Okay, so you don't just come rushing in and, and then get in here to go rushing into his presence. What, he, what he's saying is enter into the front doors with, with thanksgiving and then come into the foyer with praise. You, you, sometimes we, we're, we're just out there talking in fellowship. Then we get in here, we just go rushing into his presence. But we're supposed to come in with an attitude of praise as priest of praise. And we come in and just love it on him and communing with him. So that we're not telling God, hey, I'm just looking at your hand. I want to come in first and look at your face. So there's prayer. So you start with praise and adoration. Hallelujah, love you, Lord. You look good. Thank you. I praise you. You know, whatever. Just however you put that out. Everybody has it a different way. And then there's supplication. That's where you make your request. It is a humble appeal to God to meet the need that is causing my anxiety, that is causing this distress in my life, okay? You, you just say, Lord, I need your help. When I was at this point in studying, I thought about the story in Mark 7 of the Syrophoenician woman. Um, this Jesus is worn out from ministry, and he needs some R&R. So he leaves Israel and goes into a foreign country trying to get away from people because they're always demanding, always pulling, always wanting to touch on him. He was just giving, giving, giving. He needs to regenerate. So he goes to a house with the disciples. No one is supposed to know he's there. But a woman of that country, she's not a Jew. She's a Syrophoenician woman. She hears that Jesus is there. She has a daughter that is demon-possessed. Now, if anything will cause you stress, that will. So she finds out where Jesus is, and she goes there, and, and at first, y'all, now listen to me. This is so powerful. This, this story goes what I'm preaching. At first, she tried to manipulate her way through to her answer. She tried to use all the right words and say all the right things. She called him son of David. She wasn't a Jewish woman. She had no right to call him a son of David. It would be weird. It would be like you going to a Catholic church trying to do all the stuff, and you don't know how to do it because you're not Catholic. But she's trying to act like that she's a Jewish person and she's using all this vocabulary and the Lord's just looking at her like, really? Are you really going to do this because it's not going to work? And when she realizes that you don't manipulate your way to an answer, that God is not a cosmic candy machine and you coin machine and you put some prayers in and pull a handle and he gives you what you need. You say, thanks God, see you later for when the next time I have a problem. But that he is your father and your friend. When she realized who Jesus was, her whole approach changed. And the Bible says that at that point she stopped. And in humility, she dropped to her knees. And the Bible says she worshipped him. See the connection? You start with praise. And after she worshipped him, she said, Lord, please deliver my daughter. Please, and she wouldn't stop. Please deliver my daughter. I don't have time to preach a whole sermon on, on persistence and faith. But she wouldn't let 
go. And the Lord said, get up and go home because I see your faith. And he says, your prayer's answered. And she got up and she ran to the house. And when she opened the door, instead of being met with a crazed demoniac daughter, with a manifestation of the demonic and evil, there was her daughter. The demon was gone, sound and whole and well. And God answered her prayer. And then you end with thanksgiving. Now normally, I tell somebody thank you after they've given me something, right? But in this case, it does not say to do that. It's the opposite. It, he said, praise him, ask him, and then thank him before you get your answer. And this is an act of faith. And I believe in this. I practice this. That you say to the Lord, I haven't even got my answer yet. The stress level is still trying to rise. The issue is still there. Nothing in my circumstances changed. But I praised you and I've given this thing to you. And now, Lord, I just want to say thank you for what you're about to do in my life. This thing's going away. Now, that's faith. We do this, if you come to First Wednesday, the First Wednesday night of prayer, we just had it, okay, four days ago. We come in this sanctuary, we pray, everybody prays individually, but at eight, right about close, 10 to 8, 5 to 8, we have everybody come down in mass, we get in the altar, and whatever the theme was that night, together, corporately, we say, thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer tonight, and thank you for what you're going to do. See, that's what Paul said, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Now, let me just say this because this is so powerful. At the root of every anxious thought is a fear. That's why you're anxious. At the root of every anxious thought is a fear. Fear of loss, fear of tragedy, fear of death, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fill in the blank. Those are the biggies, by the way. You're anxious because you're afraid. Satan uses fear to destroy our faith. You beat him by coming back at him with faith to dismantle his fear. I'm going to give you a secret weapon. When I, when I was 22 years old, Leah and I got married and went two weeks later to Praise Cathedral, the church that this church was founded out of in Greer, South Carolina. We came over here we were there 10 and a half years, as most of you know. I worked under Bobby Johnson. I'm going to try to get Pastor to come over here and preach for us in January for our 21-year anniversary. But Bobby Johnson taught this and made it part of the culture at Praise Cathedral. And for 21 years, I have tried to make that part of the culture here. But today, I'm going to preach it, okay? I've wanted to inculcate this in our culture. But today, I'm going to, I'm going to preach it to us, okay? Here is the secret weapon when it comes to dealing with the stuff of life, it is the sovereignty of God. You say, what does that mean? If, if you have a sovereign, they are a king. God is the king. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now let me ask you all a question. You can't answer out loud this one. How many of you believe with all your heart that Jesus is sitting on the throne and he's in charge of everything? Do you really believe that? 
Come on, I'm not just saying when times are good, but do you believe that when times are bad? Do you believe that when the checking account is in a negative factor? Do you believe that when you're having marital problems? Do you believe that when your kids are giving you problems? Do you believe that when the doctor shakes his head and says you're in trouble? That's what I'm asking you because that's the secret that not only in the good times but in the difficult times you have to be able to say, I know that, and somebody said this, I'm not being disrespectful, God is large and in charge. I know he's bigger than any problem. He's bigger than anything the doctor said. He's bigger than anything the attorney told me. He's bigger than anything the banker said to me. God is greater than any of those things, and God is in charge. And here's the statement that we used to say at Praise Cathedral, and here's what I've tried to say to you. It's a simple little phrase. God is in control. Somebody ought to be shouting right now in this Pentecostal church. God is in control. I had to stand by the bedside in in Anderson Hospital in the ER yesterday with one of our ladies, one of our men, one of the men in our church, his heart, he's had heart condition, his heart went out on him. They called the ambulance, the the EMTs, they took him to the hospital. He coded. I'm standing there in the ER. They've got him on a breathing machine. The doctors have said to him, short of a miracle, we hate to tell you, he's not going to make it. He's up in CICU right now. And I talked to his wife last night, and they're just hoping against hope. But when I stood there by his wife, who's a very strong, spiritually mature woman, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is not say a whole lot. And I didn't say a whole lot but there was one point as we said we're talking I looked at her called her by name and I said listen there's one thing we can count on God is still in control God's in control I know things don't look good but we can always and that's what she said she said pastor that's what I'm banking on that whether he lives or whether he goes on to heaven he's ready but I know God is in control I want to do something. The Lord told me to do this. I want to do it. I want everybody in this house. I want to say it three times. I want you to say, God is in control. You ready? Go. God is in control. Say it again. God is in control. Say it again. Do you believe that with all your heart? God's got this. Come on, God's got this. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's got this. Maybe you're going to preach to somebody right now who's in a trial, in a trouble, in a hard place. God's got this. Hallelujah. And then Paul concludes with a wonderful promise. After you've prayed, praised, thanked him, declared the sovereignty of God over your life, God, you're in control. Paul says that you will be, not might be, you will be the recipient of supernatural peace. He said it's the peace of God. It's Christmas time. And we are now working on gifts, right? Wrapping gifts, giving gifts. That's part of the the cultural thing now, right? God gave the greatest gift, so we give gifts one to each other. It should remind us of what God did. Listen, I got good news. After you're finished praising and praying and thanking and declaring the sovereignty of God, at that moment, the Lord shows up, and it's Christmas. And he says, I have a gift for you here. And you take it, and you unwrap it, and you open it, and it is peace, divine peace, peace you can't make up. Peace you cannot contrive. Peace that you're not going to get from a pill or a bottle or watching binge watching something on Netflix or going to a counselor. It is a peace that only God can give you. 
It's a peace that is incomprehensible. You can't understand it. You know what that means? <laughs> it means people look at you and they look at the serenity and calm and the fact that you're going, everything's going to be all right. When you're in the middle of turmoil, and they look at you and they say, how are you like this? What is going on with you? You should be out of your mind. You should be pulling your hair out. Why aren't you, why, why are you still smiling? You should be distressed, but you're at peace. You should be up all night pacing the floors, but you're sleeping like a baby. You should be down in your back and all tensed up in your muscles and exhausted and sick, but you feel just fine. How can this be? It is the supernatural work of God's peace in your life. I don't think it's just peace of mind. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. And if you can get peace in your heart, peace in your mind, you'll get peace in your body. And it starts when you're right with God and you have peace in your soul. And then Paul says it is a peace that will last. It won't leave you after the first day. I'm telling you, when you get God's peace, your problem may persist for six more hours, six more days, or six more weeks, or six more months. But you'll have this peace. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Everything's good. That's what fools people. That, how can you do that? You'll say, I, I just got a peace about it. They're not making that up. You can't make that up. It is a gift from God, and it lasts. It lasts until the answer comes, the victory comes. And he says that the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard, it's like a military sentry, okay? So when you have an armed guard in the military, you know, a sentry, he has his, he's at his post to watch out for anyone that would try to come against the camp, against the forces. And so he, he stands there with a, with, a, with a weapon, okay? And so that's what he said, that peace comes and it stands to keep out because what happens is because the situation is still going on and data and information is coming at you from the doctor, from the attorney, from the person that you're in the, the relationship with that is struggling, data, things are getting thrown at you, stuff's being posted on the internet. You get what I'm saying? Just fill in the blank, and it keeps coming at you. How do you, how do you keep in a position where it doesn't get through to your heart and start affecting negatively your emotions or get into your mind and you're back having those thoughts, and you know, and then you get a stronghold in your mind, like I preached a few weeks ago, and then you've got these thoughts that are running around just doing damage, undoing all the good that God, how does it happen? God says, I'm going to give you a peace that will keep all that out. If you could just imagine a peace from God, it's almost tangible. And you hear something that normally would upset you, and it doesn't. And somebody says, does that not upset you? And you think, no. Why? Because I've prayed about it, and God's in control, and God's got this. So I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how much worse it's getting. It doesn't matter. God's got this. can't put a price tag on that I need some help you guys help me you guys help me Julio come help me out Kenny come help me out I need some I need some help David come help me out I need five men I got big men in my church I pity the fool ever mess with me big old man in my church I love it 
Okay, so David, come here. We're going to let you be a person who's been going through it. All right? You've been in a difficult place, stressed out. But you came to church on December 8th. You heard the word of the Lord, and you, you, you got on your knees, and you said, God, I love you, I praise you, I worship you. And now, Lord, I got this situation. You tell him what it is. And then you say, God, I know that it's heavy right now, but I thank you in advance that this thing's taken care of and you're, and you're in control. Boom, peace comes over you. Let me show you what it's like. Kenny, come here. I want you to stand with your back to him, to his shoulder. Come here. I want you to stand your back to him right here. Just, just stand in front of him. All right, Julio, come here. I want you to stand with your back to him right here. All right, Joey, come here and cover his back right here. Turn, turn around. All right, that's, that's what happens. God gives centuries of peace. See? All right, now I'm going to be anxious thoughts. I'm going to be words and data that try to want to get to David's heart and his mind. So I'm going to try to come through. You going to let me come through? Don't let me come through, Julio. Put your hands up. Push me back. Push me back. I know you're a pastor, but go ahead. Push me back. I give you So I'm going to go, and I'm trying to get through. Joe, put y'all put your hands up, guys. Put your arms up because you're sentries, all right? Now I'm going to try to go through. Y'all going to let me Y'all gonna let me through, are you? I'm going to try over here. Can I get, can't get through here? But come here. I want to mess him up. I want to get him in depression. I want to get him worried. I want to mess up his health. Come here. You let me through. Let me. Guy, get out of my way. Come on. Can I get through? Can I get through? Huh? Come on. That's what the word of God says. I'm not making this up. That's what the Bible says. David, that's how. I got him. I'm about to shout. I'm about to, y'all better hold on. That's how. You're going to make it, see? You're representative of all these people out here, David, who may be going through something. And we, and, and, and we won't do it because we might have an accident. But if we could somehow get these guys coordinated, if David started down the aisle, they'd all be right along with him. Because they're going to go, they'd get in a car with him. And they'll go with him to work tomorrow. They'll go with you to the doctor's office. Right, Greg? They'll go with you to the doctor's office when they tell you you've got cancer. But God, give my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're about to run too, brother. And but the doctor, but the God gives you peace, and then you come out, and then he had his port removed, and he's he's got victory over the cancer. No more cancer in his life. My I'm about to run. The Holy Ghost runs about to get on me. Come on, y'all. It's a peace you cannot understand. Stand with me all over this house. Thank you, men, so very much. God bless y'all. Stand with me. I'm going to ask you to do something, and I mean this all my heart, and the first service did it so well. This is not time to leave church, but rather I'm asking you with all of my heart, I want everybody in this building to come to this altar. Do not leave yet. Come to this. If you leave, the devil will win. You need to come down here. I, I need you to come down here so that God can work in us. Thank you so much. Everybody, everybody come. Everybody come. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.